a really neat thing to hear God speak, isn't it? And as Rod was saying, God, well, he didn't say this, God is always speaking. And, uh, and whether he speaks through the voice of a pastor or whether he speaks through the voice of a friend, whether he speaks through a donkey, it's God's voice. What, he might speak to you through a dream. He might speak to you through a vision. He might speak to you audibly and say, hey, over here. So he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And uh, uh, I want us to understand today, I, 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 some traditions and um, evangelical faith will teach, well, does God speak today? And I say, yes, he does. He speaks. He speaks crazy things to people. He speaks through his word. Everyone say, but. He speaks through other things, too. Uh, and so here's what happens, though. Let me, let's all agree on this one thing. If what he speaks doesn't line up with his word, then we got a problem. I will say that. So if somebody comes to you and says something or has something they want to share with you, and it's not lining up with Scripture, or if it doesn't sit right, then it's, it's a good idea for you to get some wisdom, get some counsel, and by golly, pray about it and ask the Lord what it is that you want me to do with that. And sometimes you uh, can shut those things down and shut those out because they're simply not from the Lord. But nonetheless, there is a quality in learning to hear the voice of God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, is, uh, in the Bible if you want to turn there, is 1 Samuel chapter 3. There was a time and uh, place with Israel, and they... Uh, uh, had gone off the beaten path, uh, to say the least, worshiping other idols, living life their way. Um, God had brought them judges, and the judges would straighten things up. And they weren't judges necessarily in the sense of, you know, slamming a gavel. These people God had raised up as leaders to speak the word of the Lord uh, to the people, and then the people would follow. But shortly after that judge would die, the people would go back into it. Now we're into a place where uh, wickedness now is in the temple, um, and we see Eli and his two sons are uh, offering strange things and doing strange things in God's temple and not taking the word of the Lord seriously. And we got problems. Turn to someone who's going to say, we got problems. Why don't we open up there? There's some key verses I want us to share. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Samuel's mom was uh, barren. She couldn't give birth, and she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him all the years of his life uh, to the temple. And uh, after he was dedicated, she uh, gave him over to the temple to serve the Lord. It was a very powerful thing in this, uh, this young boy's life. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was a almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Wouldn't that be pretty amazing to be sleeping, snuggling with the ark? That's a pretty cool thing. Hang on to that point there. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel! And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning and then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. Pretty serious moment here. 
So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks is best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all of Israel, from Dan to the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle, and Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. What an amazing, amazing story. Amazing moment in history where one little boy, and that's how come I think it's so important for us believers, whether you're young in your faith, whether you're young in your age, uh, understand now that God wants to speak to you. And God wants to use you in a very powerful way. A young person, I pray that you read this story and understand the powerful dynamic that God would literally give you words to speak to a nation. Someone turn to those young people and hit them on the elbow and say, that could be you. Could be you. I want you to grab something here too, and this is what God really revealed to me in going through this. I've heard this, I've read this, I've preached this before. But it says this, that the Lord was rare and precious in those days. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. There was no frequent or widely spread vision. The word of the Lord was rare. Okay, now this wasn't going to be the only time in Israel's history where, the, where it was rare. In fact, when we get closer to the New Testament, for hundreds of years, the voice of God wasn't even spoken. It was shut off. And it wasn't shut off because of the world, how bad the world was. The voice of the Lord was shut off because of how bad, what? The church was. And so what happens in our day, and I want to know this, in America, in the American church, and the Western church, is the word of the Lord rare? I want that to be a rhetorical question here. Let us think about how rare the word of the Lord is. And I want you to think about the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. And I don't want us to get under shame or guilt or condemnation today. But I want us to be desperately honest and desperately real about what we're hanging on to. See, there is the written word of God, no doubt about it, okay? And every church can agree we've got the written word of God. Can everybody say, hey, i got the written word, brother. We've got the written word. The Pharisees had the written word. Right? And if, if the word of God is alive and it's active and it cuts through to the bone, even to the marrow, in other words, it cuts to the quick, it gets to the heart of us, are we relying on the word of God to be alive and active in our lives or are we using the word of God more or less as a as a measuring tape for us, a doctrinal kind of dispute, a formulaic idea, or are we allowing the Word to organically kind of move us and press in us and change us? Os Guinness wrote this, Semper uh, Reformanda, the Reformation principle of the need for constant, ongoing reformation is as vital as ever. But the question we should ask ourselves is not, am I reformed? But, Am I being reformed, and am I reforming? Many of us look at ourselves, and we look around at much of the church in the West today with a vast mismatch between its still large numbers and its increasingly lack of integrity and influence. And we can only say with tears and a heavy heart, either there's something wrong with the way of Jesus, or there must be something wrong with us. See, Samuel didn't know the Lord's voice yet. And many of us in our lives, we've got Christian faith down. We haven't memorized. And many of us say, well, I was born again on 1963 at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was awakened, and God, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, brother. That's great. It's wonderful. But are you being reformed? Are you a reformer? You know, when Martin Luther went over to the Catholic churches and started posting up the 99 theses of the just selling by faith, he was trying to get a call to the church to say, awaken because you need faith in Christ. Wake up, church. And the voice of God goes around to and fro the whole earth, seeking whom might go after him, seeking whose heart is blameless, 
singing whose heart is pure. I want people to come up to the mountain of God to hear me speak. And here's the question today for all of us. Do we really want to hear God speak? And I dare say at large, the church is not interested in hearing the voice of God. I can tell by our habits, I can tell by our lifestyles, I can tell by the way we go through life and just kind of breeze through the faith things of God and the church stuff and just blase, blase of all the church stuff. Remember, there's three things I want us to understand today. What the voice of God should cause in us is we are stirred for change for the voice of God. We're stirred for change. Number two, we're surrendered to that voice. When we hear that voice, we surrender to it, just like Samuel said, Here I am, Lord. And standing upon, once you have the Word of God, you can start to stand upon it. I want us to be stirred for change today. Hosea 10 12, if you want to turn there real quick. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. There's some plowing that needs to go. You say, how do I get to know or hear the voice of God in my life? And again, I'm not going to tell you how he's going to speak to you. Every one of us has a testimony of where God spoke to us. It's pretty neat how God speaks to us. He speaks whether it be by divine revelation, through a dream, through a vision. Whatever it may be, God will speak to you. I don't know how God speaks to you, but I do know that God speaks. And I do know that we can make ourselves aware of him and uh, be interested in that. I have used that. Time and time again, we're in a multitasking generation of people, and we're getting less done now more than ever, doing more stuff. It's, it's amazing to me how busy we are with communication, how we're not latched in with people. And so hearing the voice of God, even in some ways, becomes more complex in our technology-driven area. Um, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground in your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and show righteousness upon you, and shower righteousness upon you. He's saying right there, telling all of us believers to stir up the fallow ground, to to dig deep, to get in there. When the Israelites were getting ready to leave the wilderness, uh, it was amazing what God gave Moses for a charge. He said, prepare yourself the next next." You know, before they left, the days before they left, they were supposed to be fasting. They were supposed to be preparing. The Bible kind of harkens for us in the last days. You say, well, how does that compare to us as new believers? Well, remember the ten virgins? You know, five were ready and five weren't. Five, they were trimming their wicks and everything was going on. Their vessels were full with oil. And the other five said, hey, you know what? We're okay. Life's going to go on. We're invested in life. We're busy. But five were ready to enter in and five weren't. And I think for all of us, what we need to say, how do I start hearing the voice of God in my life? It's not very clear to me. I don't have clear direction for my life. You don't have to raise your hand, but I believe for many believers, and it's sad, many believers really don't have a purpose or a call. They're not going after things. And I think that, that stirring up that ground in our life to kind of step into what God has for us is an important thing. I believe we need a stirring in the American church, a groundswell. Soren Kierkegaard, Osgenes writes, was a passionate earlier rebel against the modern sloth. Let others complain that the age is wicked, he says. My complaint is that it is the wretched for its lack of passion. Osgenes writes, what is undeniable is that when comforts and convenience sap up our energies and idealism, inactivity secretes sloth into our minds like a poison in the blood. You know, for all of us, when we kind of get bored in our faith, I think it's just amazing that we can get bored in our faith. It's amazing that we can be bored Christians. And if you're bored in your faith today, now might be the time for reformation. If if you're not active in your faith and the things that God's calling you to do, it's important for us to start breaking things up and to stir up. David had prayers like this. I've said many times, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Stir up the fallow ground. You know, it's, uh, it, it's amazing. I heard this said once. You're seldom, if ever, get lucky sitting down. You know, the Bible says this, that Samuel, even before he knew the Lord, you know, he was kind of Eli's helper. 
You know, he would go into the ark, you know, the area where the ark's at the Holy of Holies. He would prepare, he would light those things up. He was in the temple of God taking care of the temple and those things. He was a witness to what Eli was. He was... He was responsible for things. And as you grow in your faith today, as you step out the faith, and as you start to minister outside of yourself, how many people have problems in here? Can you raise your hand real quick? we got four people with problems. How many people you know some other people with problems? Okay, good, even more people. Minister to those people. So how do I start to hear God speak? We want to hear God speak, right? See, when you start... To choose to want to. This is the key in the voice of God. When you want to hear God's voice, when you want to minister, when you want to be a part of what God's doing, when you want to say, I want to jump out of my selfish shell that I'm in, I want to jump out of this and get into the new things of God, then you say, I want to minister. Then, you're going to have some cool things start happening to you. I can only tell you this. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, because you can be a vocational pastor with a title on it and not know a hill of beans about what the Holy Spirit's doing. You can just go through your thing, just like Eli, the old priest, who lost it because he just went through the motions, and now as a result of that, God was saying, enough's enough! You and I, like Samuel, must stand and minister... We might not know a whole lot, and we might be confused about a lot. Anybody been confused about the things of God before? Welcome to the club. <laughs> you might be frustrated in life right now. That doesn't prevent you from being a minister, right? You might have your own frustrations and things going on, and see what ends up happening is when we, we stay inside our own shells of life and my own problems and everything happening to me, I, I, I can only say it like this, is, is you become a swelling person that has been victimized your whole life. That's your only thought. But now when you bleed out and you start to minister to people, you start to hear God doing things and you start to want to be a blessing. And that's where God will start to speak to your heart and say, hey, do this for this person. Bless this person. Speak this to this person. I can only tell you from my own experience what happened when I choose to get my mind off myself and I actually want to be a minister. Turn to someone and say, I want to be a minister. Oz Guinness in his book, The Call, had a really interesting take on this, the midlife crisis. So what does the midlife crisis have to do with anything? Well, I think in the church... We have this midlife crisis in our soul, if you will, and not everything's matching up. He says a beautiful thing. He said, midlife crises that are genuine and not simply fashionable are generally due to the tensions between three different desires. For successful careers, for satisfying work, and for rich personal lives. How many agree you want all three of those? We all want a successful career, and we all want satisfying work, and we all want rich personal lives. Early in life, the difference between our personal lives and our work may not only be marked or obvious, but as life goes on, and especially if success in one sphere is not complemented by success in another, a yawning chasm will open that leads to deep frustration. Sadly, studies show a few people enjoy neither their work nor their personal lives. Only a few say that they enjoy both. Success may then flatter us on the outside, as significance eludes us from the inside. So you might have success on the outside of your life, but how many of you know that significance that you have can really elude you when you're not walking with the Spirit in your life? How many know you can have successful things happening, good things? You might have a good job. You might have a great investments. You might have a great house. But then on the inside, significance is just not. That's how come some of the most successful people in the world, to the world standards. You know, we watch Shark Tank and stuff, and you sit and I watch these guys, and it's pretty cool all they do. But you know, many times the consuming thought is life centers around me being, quote, successful on the outside. And the key to life for you and I, and the voice of God, is having significance and value going on the inside. And you'll only have that when, you, when the freedom comes, when you realize that I just want to minister to the Lord in my life. 
There may be a crisis that many of us are covering up. The word of the Lord was rare. I want to tell you this today. Don't buy the lie that the way it is is the way it's always going to be for you. Don't buy that lie. I believe that Satan comes at us, and he also he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he presents a lie to us in a suggestion that where you're at right now is where it's always going to be. He presents to you the reality that's saying, hey, you'll never have that quite, that energy that you thought you'd have. You'll never have that momentum back. I'm telling you right now, there is momentum that happens and there is change that takes place in our life. I love what God told Samuel when he finally spoke to Samuel and he says, Samuel, Samuel, listen to me. I am going to do something that's going to rock this nation. You think about your own life and in your own home, what your struggles are, what your fears are, what's holding you back, and you think about the voice of God for your life and you say, this thing in your life, what I'm going to speak to you right now, is going to rock your whole family. How many would like a word like that? Now we think that the word's going to rock the other person. But how many know the word rocks us first? We want the other person to get it. I told you one of my most irritating prayers I'll hear is when somebody says, comes up to me and says, boy, I wish so-and-so was here at church today. They really needed that. Oh. <laughs> you needed it! You're here, uh-oh! <laughs> there may be a crisis that we are covering up. The word of the Lord being rare. You think about that for a moment. Is the word of the Lord rare in us? And to us? You have the written word of God. And then you have the rhema word of God. You have the written word of God which is line upon line. And precept upon precept. It's important for you to do that. Study to show yourself approved, the Bible declares. But then you have this other thing that the other part of the evangelical movement doesn't want to talk about. And it's called the rhema word of God, which comes by divine revelation. It's a scripture that you are reading, and it comes off the pages, and it gets seated in your heart, and now you are changed forever. The rhema word. Many of men can read this. You can sit in Oxford in some bonehead facility of a seminary and be denominatorial and study verb tenses and everything else and not be changed. But now when you get a rainbow, the voice of God, and you take this word for what it is and it's serious to you, and you say, Lord, I am listening. What is it that you want to speak to me right now? Now all of a sudden the pages will come up because you're interested in personal reformation. You're interested in the voice of God. You're not interested in another doctrine. You're not interested in another thing so you can memorize, so you can make yourself more proud than you already are. You're interested in hearing what God has to speak to you. Turn to somewhere and say, I want to hear God speak. There may be a crisis in our churches. I love what happened last Sunday in the organic expression of prayer time as the Spirit of God moved through here and all of a sudden people started praying. Did you notice that? It was really special to me. It wasn't a ceremonial prayer. It wasn't, God bless America and this and that and amen, bless, bless, bless. You saw people kind of just rising up and start praying out of the honesty of their heart. Let there be crises. Let there be an awakening. You know, it isn't until you have a pain in an area until you wake up to it, right? You know, the other day I was eating lunch with Ann, and I chewed on something, and I chewed on this side of my tooth, and it was like, wow, that's there. Now all of a sudden I'm worried about my tooth, and I'm thinking about my tooth. i got to get my tooth fixed. I just put a double crown on that thing. But you start thinking about it now. Now it's a crisis. Now it's something that we've got to figure out. You're not just, you know, and this is the crazy thing is we start to medicate our crises. We, we, we start to fix it. We start to avoid it. We start to go over this area to completely avoid the crisis. I don't even avoid crises before. I don't even want 
We start to get away from it. We don't want to talk about it or anything else. But see, God's not going to let you just avoid the crisis anymore. You're going to have to say, Lord, is the word of God rare in my heart? What do I need to stir up? He said, you stir up the follow ground. God's not going to do the plowing for us. One thing's for sure, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He says, stir the follow ground, stir things up, change things up. You think you're going to stay the same where you are to hear the voice of God? No, you're going to have to let go of some junk in your life, let go of some junk in your heart, and you have to say, God, I want to run. I don't want to walk anymore. I want to run with you. God wants to reveal himself to you again and to me. And if this is going on where you're hearing the voice of God and it's beautiful, wonderful, I don't mean that God every morning. Let me preface this by saying, because some of us can get under condemnation. I'm not saying that every morning you get up, you have a little dove fall on your shoulder. That's not what I mean by the voice of God for you. I'm talking that your life's been directed and there's revelation and there's things happening that you're excited about and you have momentum that's being created. Everything's not okay, but everything's okay. And then a good thing. Everything could be completely going wrong around you, but you are secure in your faith because of the Word of God for your life. Number two, what happens is you're surrendered to the call. It's really important. Samuel said this, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Boy, if you can imagine if we started our day that way, right? Before we got into our heavy list of what God needs to do for us right now, if we just got to the point in the morning where we started out saying, Lord, I pray you speak to me right now, for I am listening right now. Imagine what an honest person that's honest about really wanting change in their life, imagine what would happen if you did that. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm wrote this huge poem, and it's very convicting. And this is what we need to ask if we're surrendered. This is what surrendering means. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, that is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I will forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving and forgiving and tender and kind, helping the helpless and cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and bright, meekly enduring cruel reproaches, willing to suffer others to save. Oh, to be like thee, Lord, I am coming. Now to receive anointing divine. All that I am and have I am bringing. Lord, from this moment, all shall be thine. Oh, to be like thee while I am pleading. Pour out thy spirit, fill with thy love. Make me a temple, meet for thy dwelling, fit for life in heaven above. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image Deep in my heart. You know why when we hear the voice of God, we start to develop the image of God in our life? Do you know that? We're created in the very likeness of God. And do you know when we bear the voice of God, we bear the person of Jesus? The whole idea for this is not to become better, better versions of ourselves. The goal for us is to be like Christ. Christ-like. Christian. That's the goal. Folks, I tell you what, our human way is for us to promote ourselves by any means at any time, and everything is up to us many times, isn't it? So when the voice of God's different than our voice, we have opinions. How many have an opinion about anything in your life? Political views, all social views, and social causes, and this and that. We have opinions coming out the wazoo. But do we have the voice of God? Have we been given an utterance of something, of substance in our life, so that we can actually pray and we can actually declare and decree to the nations the voice of God to a dying people who don't know God's voice? Our human way is to promote ourselves, Osgenes writes, at any time, and everything's up to us. It's time for a desperate cry out to the Lord. For a fresh word, a revelation of what he is doing and about to do in our homes and our nations. You know what I love? is what Jesus says, what I am about to do. Get ready for what I am about to do. I think that's what's exciting in the end times that we live in. 
is God is up to something. He's not going, oh no, what do I do? His hands aren't tied behind his back. He's not crazed, crazy, wondering what to do with all the different terrorist things going on. Jesus Christ is on the throne and he's saying, I will have my way and things will be glorified. Because my kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Let me tell you what the word call means here. Maybe we can learn to do this better. Are you ready for this? Call in the Hebrew means to become famous. Can you believe that? Become famous. Samuel, in that moment, when he took the voice of God and he received it, Lord, I am here. Speak, for your servant is listening. All of a sudden, Samuel, in that moment, at that age, young age that he was, was becoming famous in God's eyes. Isn't that neat? It also means to invite. We invite God in. That's like we say, Lord, we invite your presence here right now. We don't want to do a man program thing. We don't want to be something that's going to work perfect for us in timeliness and perfection. We want what you want for us. It says to scream. That's what call means. To call out to God means to scream. It means to cry. It means to grasp. Folks, I am telling you, I guess what I'm getting to in our lives for us in the church, is we need to get to the point where we really are desperate to hear the voice of God where we're, what we're facing right now. When you're fixated, and when the gaze of your heart reaches outside your present moment, when you look upward, then you are surrendered. When you are fixated on the voice of God for your life. Number three, standing upon Samuel now has received the word of God. And it's interesting what 1 Samuel 3, verse 19 says. Let's read that again. 1 Samuel 3, verse 19, it says, As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Another translation says it like this. His words did not, he did not allow God's words to fall to the ground. Folks, I, I, I've shared that story with you many times. I'm going to give you a, a bad story about myself and then a good story just to make it all better. No. <laughs> I've told you this before, it, it, but it, it, it rings so true in the voice of God. I remember God told me to go talk to someone, this lady at the bowling alley. Me and Ann were with the kids, and I was fighting it. How many fought doing something for the Lord before he just embarrassed and things? And it's okay. It's, it's a human thing. Didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. I'm like, Lord, no, this is weird. I'm not doing that. And uh, isn't it interesting how we want to put a good face on God? We don't want to do these things in the church. We don't want to do tongues in the church because we don't want people to just misunderstand it. That's too confusing. Yeah, it's called a mystery, and it's revealed by the Spirit of Christ. Isn't it funny how God does something different than us? Uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. A word of prophecy, someone comes forth with prophecy, and everyone goes, oh no. And then the person who really needs it, who you didn't think needed it, and all of a sudden, bam, they've got Jesus in their life, and they're changed forever because of that word. Be careful how you manipulate God. So I said, no. No, God. If you do anything, you're like, please don't ever say no to God. Got another chance, barked at Sam's club, all of a sudden they pull up right next to us. And he's like, here's your second chance, Steve. I'm like, no, God. So it'll always affect me. That will always affect me. I'm okay. God says, listen, if you don't do it, Bob, I'll get someone else to do it. How many know how that's how God is? Listen, if you don't want to do what I called you to do, I will find a hundred other people that will be willing to go share with that lady. But Steve, you've lost out on a blessing. I'll never know what could have happened and what could have been. And I'm okay, by the way. Just don't, don't build me up after that. I'm okay. God, God's taking care of it. He said, Steve, I'll give you. That's the neat thing about the grace and the mercy of God. He gives you more and more and more opportunities. Here's the neat thing. Just happened recently to me. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it's seasons. But when God does it, make sure you do it. I'll, I was sitting there studying a uh, week, week or so ago. Yeah, it was a week ago. And I'm literally there in a... Uh, impression of a person, a really good friend of mine, who's not walking with the Lord right now. He said, Steve, I want you to throw a word to his way. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's he going to... He's not even into this stuff right now, Lord. This is going to be crazy. 
started typing away. Isn't texting great, by the way? That's the one thing I will say about texting, is I can just sit it out there. You don't have to mail it and put a stamp on it. It'll, it'll just get to them right there. So I was able to send it to this person, and it was funny through the course of that conversation. Now, he used to be walking with the Lord and doing great things for the Lord and going after him, but then things hit, he hit a wall, and just kind of just walked away from it all. So I said, hey, we've never lost contact. We've always stayed very close and very tight. I'd do anything for this guy. And uh, he said, Steve, it's interesting. The other friend that he has, a mutual friend who's really walking with the Lord, gave him kind of basically the same word. So I didn't let that go, because now i got a witness. Now, now I'm double-teaming you, bro, so just know that. <laughs> Holy Spirit's going to hunt you down. So I said to him, I called him the next day, and I said, buddy, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know that my heart's heavy for you and that God wants to speak to you and do some pretty crazy things for you. And I don't take that lightly, and please don't take this lightly, I told him, because it's not just a, okay, yeah, whatever, and go back to eating your honeycombs in the morning. I told him, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm listening, I'm available for you to speak. What are you trying to do in my life? You know, it's interesting how we're just so flippant about stuff, the things of God. How we're just... When you start to stand upon the Word of God, it said that Samuel didn't let anything that God say fall to the ground. Folks, I want us to take and be people that we're standing upon the rock and that we're also holding dearly the words that God gives to us and the encouragement, whether it be through verses of Scripture or God just tells you to do something for someone. Hold on to that word dearly and say, God, I, I won't let this hit the ground. I'm going to go after it. A.W. Tozer writes this, I must say to my heart, do not try to edit God. Rule number one, don't try to edit God. Write that down on big, bold paper. Do not edit God. Can you imagine Samuel? His first word is a direct judgment against the priest who's in charge of him. How many of you are a little nervous talking to your boss that way? But see, at least Eli was smart enough to know that the word of the Lord was real and it was effective. And he said, listen, whatever it is, be up to God and give it over to him. Eli, I think, knew in his heart of hearts that he had let things go aside with his boys and he let them do blasphemous things and he didn't take charge of the temple that God put him in charge of. So I believe on the flip side that God had also been speaking to Eli. That this didn't take Eli by surprise. I must say to my heart, A.W. Tozer writes, do not try to edit God. Let God stand as He is. And whatever He does becomes Him. Whatever He does, that is right. And that He should do it. It is becoming of God that He should be that way. And do not try to change it. When we remember that everything God does is going to be done in a perfectly wise manner, so there is no mistake possible, a wonderful peace of heart comes along with growth and spiritual strength. Isn't that neat when we trust in the wisdom and the nature and the ways of God, that God is God and that He can do whatever He wants? By the way, that's the real deep theologian approach to what sovereignty is. Sovereignty is God is God and He can do whatever He wants to. So when He speaks, whether it's something that we believe is important or not important, do you know what's amazing? You hear these testimonies, and I read that one story maybe months, maybe even a year ago, about a lady, how God told them to bring a pair of certain colored socks to this one event she was going to. And she's like, why do I need to bring these socks? And here, this homeless lady, she actually had been praying, and she said, God, if you're real, then have someone bring this pair of red socks to me. God's up for that one. He isn't mind doing that at all. So this lady brings the pair of socks. She was open to the voice of God. However foolish it may be, all I want you to be is open to the possibilities that the Holy Spirit is alive, He's active, and that He wants to speak to every person on planet Earth. When you learn to stand upon the Word of God, you hold it dearly, you hold it securely, you cause it to become a treasure in your heart of hearts, and you say, no one's going to steal this from me. This is my word. 
I'll never forget when I had some prophetic words spoken over me. I've shared that with you before. My wife had typed them out, put them on there when I was struggling going through it. And it would sit on my desk, and she wrote it out just as a dialogue there. And I literally would read it over and 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 over. Because when you're going through desperate times in your life and no one else understands and no one else really cares what words you've got or what verse of scripture you've got and thinks that those weapons that you're using aren't going to change the things in your life, I want to tell you that the word of the Lord stands forever. And it will not return void what it was set out to do. So when you partner with God and the voice of God and you speak into a situation and you say, I have surrendered, now I'm open to the possibilities and now I'm standing upon it. I can stand in the gap for anyone that God puts in my path. You know that? Now, I'm not responsible for everyone. I don't mean like everyone. I, what I'm simply meaning is that when God brings people in your path, now you can become a trumpet. You can become a voice. You can become a very famous person for that person in your life. You think about the people that have spoke to your life. How many have had a word or an encouragement or something happened where someone spoke something direct to you and it really just changed your life forever? Is anybody in here? Good, no one in here. No. We've got a bunch of people in here that you were changed. Someone did something. Someone said something. And all of a sudden that word changed it forever. That became very famous to you and very special to you. Don't let God's words in your life fall to the ground. Kim Clement wrote this. God's words are committed words. That word is a commitment from the Lord on which he will never turn his back. One of my favorite stories of the word of God is, remember when Naaman the leper, I love that story, the prophet says, you know, here's this king, he's really uh, popular and he's prestigious, and he gets the word out that there's this prophet there, and the prophet says, go dip in the river seven times. God will hear you. And he's sitting there, and he's mad at this guy. Telling me to dip in that dirty river there to get rid of my leprosy? What? Yes, go do it. The servant has to convince him, sir, please, if he would have asked you to do anything else, give, give this away, do this, all these special things, sir, please just do this simple thing of just dipping in the water. It's, it's the least you can do. Well, he goes and does it. And the word of the Lord goes through, and now this man is healed of all of his leprosy. When God speaks, I'm telling you, it will not always make sense. Please remember that. We think in logical, rational, one plus one equal two terms. We are very controlling in that. And don't, don't, don't mistake that kind of thinking for anything else other than us wanting God to fit in our box. But when we stand upon the word of the Lord and we say, God, whatever foolish thing, whatever words you have for me, God, I want to be a servant who can be trusted with whatever you tell me to say. And that's why there's not many prophets. People say today, well, there's there prophets today. I had an argument with a guy about whether there's prophets. I say, absolutely there's prophets. There's prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing in teachers. We have prophets today. Prophets in the New Testament are completely different than the Old Testament. Different makeup. But nevertheless, there's prophets. If you're going to hear God's voice speak, we're going to have to break down selfish pride. Anybody got any selfish pride in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. His ways are our, not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. The way God executes his word and what's he does, what he does in this world is amazing, but it's simply something that I would never think of. Kim Clement goes on to write, Never take lightly the voice of the Lord. He gives you his word to use as a weapon against the powers of darkness that can come against you. In the hour of your greatest battle, you can cling to his promise and rest with great joy and confidence. I love that, that you're, the word that God gives you actually becomes a weapon in your greatest hour. Be on guard. The Bible also says this, God shares his secrets with those whom he trusts. I just thought he talked to everyone. He does, the available ones. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. If you're not interested, you're not going to hear, are you? If you treat God with contempt and just indifference, God's not going to speak to you. If you don't care, then you will not see change.
When Jesus, when he comes back, I love what Osgenes writes, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus repeatedly urged his followers to be on the alert and watching and ready. If we want to hear the voice of God, I, I don't want us just to be alert to, you know, all the headlines going on. I want us to be alert to what the word of the Lord is and what's going on with the word of the Lord. How many of you know circumstances change really quickly? It's so important for us to cherish what the word of the Lord is for us. Sandra, if you want to just come up and start playing. One of the things I want us to grasp today, being stirred for change and surrendered to and standing upon, Samuel had not yet known the Lord yet. You know, and maybe for today, the way I can stir that is this. We might have church goers, but do we have Jesus followers? Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Maybe you know the church stuff. Samuel had a routine every day. We have our church routines. We have our certain accepted things that we do in our church lifestyle and our church culture. But maybe you don't know Jesus. You don't know his voice. You don't have a regenerated heart. There hasn't been reformation. And you say, I've got a lot of church in me, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to have you come and follow him and his voice so that he can make you fishers of men this day. He wants to impart his spirit to you so that when you speak, the words of the Lord come forth. And that you can share encouraging words and words that maybe you didn't know how they would pertain to things, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit moves and now there's revelation. Today you say, maybe I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't yet know Him. And I want to know Him this day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, I want to know Jesus. I want to make Him the Savior of my heart. I want to give him my life today. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? Number two, today, maybe there is a stirring going on. And maybe right now you need to surrender to the voice of God. And you need to get back into that place where you say, your servant's listening. Please speak. Maybe you're desperate because you've been in a dry place. And there are seasons, by the way, that you can't, that are outside of your control. You can't control some of the things. You can break up ground. You can do all you need to do. But sometimes it's just quiet. I want to reassure those of you right now that even though it's quiet, it doesn't mean that God isn't there. But today, maybe you recognize something in your heart and it pricks something and you say, you know what, but I haven't surrendered to it. And I want to be willing and ready to hear the voice of God today. And that's me. I want to hear the voice of God right now. I want to get out of this path that I've been on where I'm obsessed with doing things my way and not listening and not stopping and not waiting to hear what God has for me. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand as a significance of saying, I want to hear God's voice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dear loved ones, let's, let's all pray this together. And may it be a cry that comes from our heart. Because I want to tell you that in the moment that you face, that God will, will make you famous. And not in the famous that we look in the worldly eyes, but he'll be excited to speak it to you. Because he calls you his friend. You're the apple of his eye. Let us cry with our hearts this prayer. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, thank you I thank you for all you've done in my life. Sorry for me getting my attention off of you. I, in this moment, place my eyes, place my ears upwards towards you. I want to hear you speak.
result of that, may I become more like you. I don't want more of me. I want more of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be doing communion. And here's what I want us to do with that. For all of us who, the guys want to come forward here and start passing communion out. I want us to be kind of a understanding that God's voice is present. And in that last moment when he was taking communion with those very closest to him, he started to share his heart with him. And I want us to take this moment with this communion for us to understand that just like God shared his heart with Abraham, just like he shared his voice with Moses, just like he shared his heart with the disciples, God wants to share his heart with you in a particular situation for your life to give you something that you can stand on. I don't want us to leave here today with more good church and more good thoughts. I want us to have something that pops in our life that we can give. But think of this communion right now this way. Think of the communion. Think of the times when you've had some of your best conversations and best relationships with people is literally sitting around a table just talking to people and chatting about life. And God's going to share some things with you and I really want us to really think about that for a moment as we take communion today that God, just as he shared, Jesus shared his secrets with what his plan was for his life, God wants to share his plans and his thoughts with you right now currently in your life. And it'll only take about 20 minutes to open these up, but that'll be good enough. And I want you to look at this conversation, not in the sense of a general barking orders to you, or a boss telling you what to do and how to do it. I want you to look at it as a friend. Jesus being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want you to look at it like your heavenly father, Abba Father, And I want you to look at it in a conversation where he loves you so much and he wants to speak to your heart. Lord, we just thank you today for this opportunity at communion for us to center our thoughts, center our whole being on you. You said to do this in remembrance of you. God, we remember all that you have done. The salvation, how priceless it is for us this day. And God, with your voice, Jesus, just as you shared with your disciples, and as you came and you literally came to Abraham's tent and you told him what you were about to do, and as you drew Moses up, and as you led your disciples, and you spoke with them and you talked with them and you poured your life into them. Lord, we allow you to pour your life into us. And symbolically, the bread, which represents your body, and this juice, which represents your blood. We partake of who you are. So that we may hear you God, it will be a strange activity for some of us because we're so accustomed to all the pain. We're so accustomed to all the numbness that life brings and the hustle that we've almost forgotten how good it is when you speak to us. God, we open our minds, our hearts, 
to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to us this day. We thank you for that. And all God's people said. Amen. Folks, I love you. Yeah, Donna. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We've got in a moment. Do you want to come up here? Me too. And, and we'll, um, I talked to Mike and Donna a little bit at the uh, uh, breakfast yesterday, and uh, they're just dealing with some family stuff, and they've really been fighting for their grandkids, as you know. And uh, we just want to pray for favor on them. Now they're just experiencing some backlash with the backlash with the arbitrator, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, okay. So we just need to pray for uh, uh, favor uh, and that uh, God will make a way and that God will bring the lights and stuff. They're really fighting for their grandkids and there's just a lot of conflict there. So if you guys don't mind extending your hands there, we just pray that God's spirit and his hand of protection will be on this moment here. Lord, we just thank you for Mike and Donna and they, their fight for their grandkids right now. And Lord, we just thank you for the blessing of having them at our church. It's so neat to see them going downstairs and they're playing and their their brightness and their joy, the callings that are on their lives. And Lord, you have called Mike and Donna to this moment in this fight. And Lord, as I was telling you yesterday, one thing's for certain, and this is a good fight to have. Lord, they're fighting for the very lives uh, and the health uh, spiritually and physically, everything going on for their lives, Lord, their well-being. And Lord, I pray that your uh, spirit would be upon them. I pray that you provide for them, Lord, with what's going on and just uh, the struggle that this is. And Lord, we speak against the enemy and his divisiveness and him trying to come against them and this family and to tear them down and to break them up. And Lord, we just pray right now, no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. And we send forth the word of the Lord and we thank you for the very blood of Jesus to cover the situation on Lord, we pray for wisdom and we pray for favor with judges and attorneys and arbitrators and all these people in between. And Lord, we pray that you send the right people to the right places at the right time. That you close the doors that no man can shut and that you open the doors that no man can open. God, I just pray that you would just fill them up today. Lord, we just wait upon you for a moment. We allow you.
issue this day to both of you. For the work that I've given to you may be impossible to men, but it's very possible with me. And all the systems and all the steps and all the challenges and all the places where you can possibly get tripped up. It's my life, my word that will allow you step by step to walk through and to leap over a troop and leap over a wall. Even some of the stuff that has happened before has been things to even try to rip you in microwave. And today I, I, I speak to you and say that this isn't just about the children, this is about you too. And the commitment that you have And that the enemy has tried to rip and to tear and to shred. Today, know this, that this is not only your battle. This is my battle. These aren't your situations. These are my situations. These aren't your problems. These are my problems. Declares the Lord. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just fill Mike and Don up right now. That they have the mind of Christ the blessing and the favor and the reward of a good fight. I thank you for healing and for wholeness and for provision. In Jesus' name.
fighting with you guys, and I just feel, you know, led to share this too. I, I, I know we've talked to them about, you know, uh, lawyers' fees and stuff. Uh, situations, I don't know if you know this, but lawyers don't really do stuff for free on the day. You know, our church, obviously, you know, bearing the low, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And I, I want us to know we, we fight for them with the physical needs, we fight for them with the spiritual needs. And just, just say all that to say, you know, Mike and Donna, we're, we're with you guys. So, and uh, you guys are in the best church to have this problem going on, you know that. you got a good family here. So, love you guys so much. And uh, don't be in such a hurry to race. If there's some things you want to pray for or talk about, uh, do that before you leave. Maybe God gave you a word just as you're sitting here praying. Thank you to everyone kind of stepping up with that. And uh, love you guys very much. And uh, Mike and Donald, we love you guys. So, have an awesome, awesome, awesome Sunday.